This episode may contain explicit language. Welcome to Care and Feeding, the show where we raise the next generation together. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamil Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10 and a half, and we live in Los Angeles. Almost 11, actually. She'll be 11 <laughs> next month. Say, right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this week, we're answering a question that recently popped up in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. This mom of a five-year-old boy is hearing from school that her son is spending a lot of time alone during free play because the girls in his class don't want to play and he doesn't like, quote, boy stuff. We'll talk through how to deal with gender cliques at such a young age and what boy stuff really even means. Then we're going to debrief on our week in parenting with a round of everyone's favorite triumphs and fails. So let's get the show on the road. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll see you back here in a minute for a listener question. All right, we're back and ready to hop into our listener question. Like we said, this one came from a member of our Slate Parenting Facebook group. If you're not part of that community, you totally should be. All you have to do is search for Slate Parenting on Facebook, answer a couple questions to prove that you are a human being, and then you'll be part of the club too. It's the most active Facebook group I've ever been a part of. You will see tons and tons of feedback to whatever questions you might have. So we really hope to see you there. Okay, let's hear today's listener question. It came from D a member from our group. Looking for tips for a social boy who loves reading and pretend play and dislikes sports and roughhousing. Ours just turned five years old and is struggling in his mixed age classroom because it seems that during unstructured playtime, the girls seem to huddle around and play while the boys run around, play cops and robbers, tackle each other, etc. My son comes home and says he wishes he had friends at the school. Teacher says that he doesn't mix with the other kids and stays on the sidelines. According to the teacher, he seems happy to be alone and sings by himself. She says she encourages him to join the boys, but he says he doesn't like to play cops and robbers. What I gather is that he is very social, but he's struggling because his interests are not typical for his gender, and the kids seem to separate into gender-specific cliques. He doesn't seem to be shy about approaching others to play when the type of play interests him. Men who don't like sports and roughhousing, how did you navigate school and boyhood? His personality is similar to mine, but I, as a girl, did not face this. Elizabeth, you have many, many boys at home. I do. I have a boy, too. I have many. Let's talk about it. So many. Um, This is actually something we have faced in that at this age, my children, I'm thinking now, all three have pretty much generally preferred to play with girls and have had like girl best friends in like preschool, kindergarten, um, first grade. And the thing is with this question, yes, I think there's some boy girl stuff going on. But when I read this, I actually think that this child needs some help learning how to make friends. Like that the issue is mm-hmm. is less this like gap or or what people are playing and more that this kid doesn't really know how to be part of either of these groups or whatever's happening 
they seem to want to make friends, right? Like, so there was, this would be a totally different issue if this child was like happy, wasn't coming home saying, I want to make friends, just wants to play by themselves. They want to make Mm -hmm. friends, but they continue to say they don't want to play what's being played. And I think here's the thing. Making friends is a lot of work. It's a lot of work as an adult. It's a lot of work as a child. Some kids know what to do and know how to figure that out. And some kids, that's just not in their skill set. And so I think for you as the parent, and honestly, the teacher here too, but we can't really control this teacher. But I I do feel like the teacher should be doing some more at school. Mm -hmm. But I think what you need to do is... Ask your child, who do you want to play with? There, there are opportunities in this classroom where they're uh, partnered with someone for activities, hopefully, where they're getting to know their classmates. Who do they want to play with? If they could choose anyone, who seems like the most fun? And then you need to set up a play date with these parents, with these children, and, and get your kids some one-on-one time. Because, you know, I don't know if your child is an introvert, but I sort of feel like you need to be adopted by an extrovert who is going to be like, hey, get in here and play, or this is my mm-hmm. friend. And the way that you can do that is by getting this one-on-one time. Can you go to the park after school? Can you, like, are there opportunities where you can have just your child and and a child that they think they will be friends with or they are interested with, have some playtime and start to build the relationship. The other thing I think you need to do is some role-playing at home about how to join a group. And listen, we have all felt this. If you have ever been at a party and walked in and everybody else is in like little clusters and you're thinking, okay, I now have to awkwardly walk up to one of these circles and insert myself in a way in which I'm not like overly dominant. Yes, but like also that I'll be included. This is the same thing for kids. These Mm -hmm. kids are going to play something and that may mean that your child has to play something or participate in something that is not his first choice. And, and that is part of being friends, that if you want to play, you know, Legos this specific way, but you get over there and they're, you know, you wanted to build a castle and they're all building a city, you might have to build the city because sometimes playing with other people means doing something you don't exactly want to do. I'm not saying that he needs to go play cops and robbers if that's what's happening. And he's definitely not into that. But he sort of needs to pick one of these things to play. Maybe he does need to play some cops and robbers till he till he figures it out or, you know, suggest that it become a tag game. Like, I, I just think we're going to have to do this. And if you really notice during playdates and other things that this is a problem, there is occupational therapy focused on friendship making skills. And usually I have found that this is in like a group. It's almost like you're joining this friendship group. Uh, We have had Oliver in therapy like this, and it makes a huge difference just being coached on little things to do at these beginning phases. Because honestly, when Oliver was like this, he not like this, but when Oliver was going through this, he honestly didn't know like what to say. He would say like, I like this person, but I don't even know where to start. So some coaching on like you could ask them what they're playing. And then instead of like asking, can I join? You can, you know, get a toy and have it be part of the play or you, you know, like that sort of coaching. So I don't know, to me, this seems like we need to work on some some friendship skills either at home or perhaps if it's worse than that or it, it just seems way more overwhelming, perhaps with some professional help and coaching. 
I love everything Elizabeth said, um, especially about the occupational therapy, because, you know, I was going to recommend therapy. Um, But like I'd I'd recommend also talking to the teacher because I'm curious to know how she's helping him to integrate with his classmates. You know, like she should be trying to facilitate these friendships, not just watching him, you know, play and sing to himself, even if he seems content, you know, Um, ask him, what does he want to play? Like, what would he like to do during recess? You know, and maybe the teacher can help him identify somebody else who'd be interested in doing that. You know, she knows who the outgoing friendly kids are who might be willing to sit and make a sandcastle with him, even though they were going to go play cops and robbers with the other boys. Um, I, I also think it's interesting that the teacher is encouraging him to join the boys that's just mm-hmm. so passe, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. it's really regressive oh that she assumes that for him to have friends, he needs to have male friends. And that's also something you can talk to your son about, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you don't seem to like playing most of the games that the boys in your class play, but what about the girls, you know? And mm-hmm. he may not mm-hmm. have full insight as to what they're doing because they're huddled up by themselves, but he may be interested in hanging out with the girls, you know? So I would definitely talk to him about what he'd like to be doing and talk to the teacher about how she can encourage him to, you know, how she can help to integrate him into the class. Yeah, and beyond asking him what he's into in the context of school, ask him what he's into for uh, like after school stuff. Like if you learn, oh, he's really into dance or robotics or, you know, singing or theater or whatever it is, like sign him up for that somewhere where he's going to actually be really interested in the activity. And he'll also probably get some skills and confidence um, in socializing once he's in a space with other people who have, you know, some shared interest as him and, and he might be able to bring that in the classroom. So think about kind of extracurricular stuff. But also I wanted to bring in a couple of really helpful comments from the Facebook group. Jennifer wrote, red flag that the teacher encourages him to play with the boys, which is something you just said, and doesn't see that playing by himself is a coping mechanism. Sounds like you need to have a conversation with the teacher slash higher ups about not assigning play to gender and ways to encourage more inclusive play. Until then, find some after school activities he finds interesting and sign him up so he can make friends. So more of what we were saying. And then Linda said, putting in another plug for dance. It has been great for my non-sporty boy. He winds up having something in common with the girls. Now that he's in middle school, he has found the chorus, music, and drama groups that accept him. It's hard because there are many times he wishes things were different. He can't figure out why the boys don't like dance because it's so fun. So some helpful stuff there too from Jennifer and Linda. Zach, were you sporty and into roughhousing when you were a boy? Uh, I was definitely sporty, but not into roughhousing. But my first dear friend was Jennifer Smith, um, and we weren't sporty or roughhousing together. Um, and so I was—I always had boy and, and girlfriends. It seems bizarre to me that at five, the entire class at recess is split by boy and girl. Because in my experience, the divide between rough play and let's say more like sitting around chatting or more like a Mm mat let's say one is like more kind of like imaginative role play like there are girls who love to run and play and knock people over and there are other boys who love to do the imaginative play so i this kind of goes back to jamila's like talk to the teacher i feel like something else is happening that the divide is this way 
You know what? I When I was in school, we were lined up by boys and girls. And I think that creates this inherent sense of division between you, right? And some of it makes sense logistically, like when you're going to the bathroom, yeah, you know? But we were always grouped by boys and girls, you mm. know, until we got, in, got into the upper grades. So I mm -hmm. wonder if the teacher is doing something, you know, along those lines now that's making them feel like this is who I'm supposed to be playing with. Yeah, it just, it just seems strange to me. When Teddy was in preschool. He was at this like cooperative preschool. So we had to work in the classroom once every how often. And so I mm -hmm. really got an opportunity to like see stuff there. And I mean, like two of the wildest, most imaginative <laughs> people who played were like girl, you know, were girl, like really center to this like more active chase games. They had this hill you could run down. Um, and it just made, of course, when groups are, are you know, more mixed, the games are so much more fun because you're bringing in from more perspective and more people. And um, I don't know, it just seemed like more people could get in. But that was that was definitely something the teacher was doing. Uh, and also it felt like when people were left out, the teacher was helping because this is still really young help not just like hey go play with them but like going over and getting involved in the game or the activity to kind of reintegrate them in into these games you know and I think mm -hmm. there's things that she can probably do not at the unstructured free play time you know during that more structured time to help your son be building up activities but you know it's also possible that this is just not what the teacher is going to do but I'm interested, like, how this kid does other times. Like, it sounds like this parent is trying other things. Like, is it always a hard time for this child to be, like, involved in playing? Are they often kind of alone and don't know how to get in? Or is this, like, a school-specific situation? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're saying during during free play in particular. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious. Hmm. We're also curious to know how the rest of you out there listening have handled this or how you might handle this in the future. Email us at karenfeedingpod at slate.com or leave a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That's also where you can send in any questions of your own. And we love hearing your actual voice. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. Be back in a second. We're back and moving on to a segment we call Triumphs and Fails. If you're new here, we like to share a story from our week in parenting because at the end of the day, we all need a little commiseration and or celebration. Jamila, are you triumphing or failing today? I'm triumphing this week. It's a small yes. one, but I'll Yay. take it. Um, I was driving Naima home the other night. Uh, we'd gone to the movies. It was Sunday evening and we're coming home and she gets a phone call from, she had her phone hooked up to the car. So she gets a phone call from one of her friends, a girl who's a year younger than her. And so, you know, she's like, hey, Naima. She's like, hey, how are you? I'm fine. What are you up to? Nothing. And the girl's just not saying anything. And so I start okay. asking her questions like, oh, how was your weekend? You know, what have you been up to? Blah, blah, blah. And we're talking. And finally, the little girl just says, I don't have anything to talk about. You know, like, she was like, I have nothing to talk about. 
even though she called even though she called you know Uh and i just knew that she was waiting for her mom i think she was at her grandma's house it just seemed like she needed to talk to somebody and she was just a little lonely she was just a little lonely and Uh naima wasn't being much help she was a little distracted by her phone and she was like i can't really think of anything to say either so this young lady and i just had like a nice 15 minute conversation we just talked what'd you talk about uh, we talked about her weekend. We talked a little bit about school, um, her activities. And I stayed on the phone with her until her mother came to pick her up. Oh, It's cute. It's kind of old school that these 10-year-olds are just like calling to chat on the phone. I like it. I like it too. Naima's a phone girly though. Like she and her friends, they talk. They do a lot of FaceTiming, which I find kind of annoying. But they do, um, they do like to talk on the phone. That's very sweet. That's really nice. I feel like what a nice opportunity. You know, we always talk about technology being like this barrier. And Mm -hmm. I think about that, like the parents that I used to like be around, right? Because when you called, like they might pick up the phone, you might have to chat with them. But Mm, you were like a pleasant, like you brought some of those vibes, but in like a lovely way. That's great. Uh Very nice. Thank you. Elizabeth, what about you? A triumph or fail? (sighs) Guys, I'm taking a fail, like all the way around taking a nap all right okay brace yourselves um long time <laughs> listeners will know that teddy and babysitters are a really really bad mix i still have not quite put my finger on why this is a problem but we had like a complete scheduling nightmare happen in november i said that i would help organize this um retreat to korea for with like 13 women that was happening this weekend i left last thursday And then it was over on Saturday and Jeff was like, hey, if you're already flying to Korea, why don't you just spend an extra night till Sunday there? I was like, this is great. I will like do this retreat. Then I have a day like to myself. Um, Two other girls decided to stay with me and we were going to do like touristy stuff. Okay. Second week in January. So basically a week ago, Jeff finds Mm -hmm. out he needs to fly to the States for a meeting on Sunday. So we are now going to have basically a 10 or so hour gap. Um, in which neither parent mm-hmm. will be in the country. Like he will be on a plane, I will be in Korea and then flying back. So obviously we have to get a sitter. I like search around cause we need an adult. I find this, you know, wonderful woman, meet with her. It's going to be fine. As, How do you find her by the way? So she's like a babysits for someone we know. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but she's lovely. I meet with her. She meets the kids comes on Sunday. Now, of course, we have Jeff doing the handoff after me being gone for three days. So and, you know, I don't know if you remember from last week, but Jeff was gone. So Jeff got back like on Wednesday. I left on Thursday. Now we're doing this handoff. So just like bad for children in terms of like routine. As Jeff is leaving the house, we have a just over 4.0 earthquake that scares the bejesus out of my children. Um, and luckily the babysitter, totally cool kids actually fine. But I think this like added to this impending anxiety, like mom and dad are leaving. We just had this earthquake. It actually cracked our, our stairs. So it was like quite loud. I wasn't here, but quite loud. Not a great start. So Jeff gets to the airport. Um, and I, you know, had told him like, Hey, I'm really, this is like, I'm really anxious about this. I had thought about canceling. I thought about coming home, but it's like, I don't, you know, I don't have these opportunities all the time and I should take this and I can't let my anxiety about one child's behavior dictate this. I have an adult there, even if he's bad, like we're paying this person. She was lovely. She texted me the whole time, like things aren't going great, but we're totally fine. (laughs) 
uh, I didn't get home till like probably 10 or 11. And when I got home, the like good thing is Teddy is asleep. When I get home, Teddy is asleep. The other two children are asleep. She tells me the other two were excellent. Um, even Henry, who was a little bit like, I'm too old for a babysitter. And it's like, none of your parents are going to be in the country like an adult yeah. has to be here. Um, yeah. But Teddy was bad. Not, not you know, he didn't throw anything at anyone. He didn't hurt anyone. He, But he was not good. And she, you know, let me know he was he was not good. It sounds like she handled it. And then she didn't make me anxious about it at any point. Like she wasn't like, you know, things are going terrible because there was nothing I could do about it. But I just like, it's it's like then the next morning, I want to be mad, but it's also like, what good is that going to do? So I'm just Mm -hmm. left feeling sort of like icky about the experience, even though she is like, I would love to come back. She told me about the bad stuff, but she also, um, you know, was like, hey, then after he flipped the board game and he calmed down, he and I played this game and it was super fun. And like they did read a book, like cuddled up and read a book together. Like there were these moments where he sort of got it together, but there were a lot Mm -hmm. of moments where he just was was not together. Um, And she was essentially like one on one with him and he was still just kind of a mess. And I'm just left feeling you know, one trapped in the sense that I feel like I can't have a babysitter, even though that is not the the answer is to like have babysitters more more frequently. And I also just it leaves me with that feeling that you're a bad parent, that you've done something wrong because your child won't behave. And I, I'm not saying that I believe that to be true, but I definitely have that feeling where you're just like, why can't I get this kid to just, you know, pull it together so that I can get home from Korea? <laughs> You know, like, like, um, it's not fun to feel that way, but you really can't take this as a fail. You know, did you have a nice trip? Did you enjoy yourself? A great trip. There you go. (laughs) And the sitters, the sitter said she'd be happy to come back. You know, it's not like she was like, oh my God, I never want to see your hell spawn again. (laughs) You know, like they had some nice moments. They played a game together. Hopefully next time he'll be more familiar with her, you know, Mm -hmm. and things will be a bit different. I know. I mean, I know the answer is like she has to come back. Yeah. But she sounds like a real pro. Yeah. I mean, she's an adult. Like she's. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like also, like... that's that's part of the job for babies, for caregivers. Yeah. You know, like you kids so. misbehave. Like it's yeah. you know, it's not yeah. the case that kids are usually good because they have a babysitter. Like that's not real. I know. I just you know I you, hear what you you're pulled saying. off this trip. Jeff got to his meeting. Triumph, triumph right there. I know. And I, I'm telling you, I see all of that. And yes, I, I know. It's hard. It's hard when you're when Just you're disappointed, in disappointed in your kids, even though they're children, even though they're doing if someone wrote in with this letter, I always think that if someone wrote in with this letter, I'd be like, it's OK. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when it's you, it doesn't feel OK. Totally. OK, we've got one triumph, one fail. One and one. Which way are we going this week? <laughs> I'm going to take a small tea. So my aunt died yesterday. Oh. It was her time. She had dementia and she just like hasn't been herself mm-hmm. for a while. She's just been like living in a facility and, you know, unable to recognize her family for some time. So I'm frankly incredibly sad and also relieved. And, you know, her family got to say goodbye to her. Uh, so I learned this yesterday during during the work day, during the school day. And when the kids got home from school... I was just proud that I could just kind of tell them what happened without like 
feeling like I needed to couch it in any kind of way or, you know, uh, conceal anything. It was just like, Aunt Brenda died, um, and I'm really sad about it. And it just felt like very safe. I felt like they were, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of grief and, and tragedy in our in our house this year. And it's more Noah. I think Ami's still not quite in tune with with exactly what's happening, but Noah certainly is. And she's just like there with us as a as a family member in grief and as a partner in grief. And just like really proud that. You know, I can I can talk to her about it, that she can receive it, that she can ask questions and feel safe asking those questions. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a bittersweet triumph for sure. But I'm just like happy that she's uh, part of our crew and will be a grief partner with us this week as we go to the funeral. And my mom's going to be hosting Shiva at her house and uh the kids will be the, right there with us every every step of the way. Hmm. What did she say when you told her? Um, yeah, she just asked what, like, how and why, and I said, you know, she and Brenda hadn't been well for a while, and she was uh, she was ready to go, and you know, something like that, and she accepted that. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is a big T. You know, I mean, it's really difficult for small children to process death and grief. And it sounds like, you know, she's doing really well. Yeah, I think she is. Um, Yeah. So um, rest in peace, dear Aunt Brenda. Yeah. Okay, listeners, as always, we want to hear your parenting stories. Did you have a particularly great triumph this week or maybe a funny fail? Share them with us and we might share them on the show. You can write to us at our new email address, careandfeedingpod at slate.com. Or better yet, leave us a voicemail so we can hear your voice. 646-357-9318. That's 646-357-9318. We really love hearing from you. And we want all of you to hear from each other. So before we go, it's time to open our mini mailbag and share some advice that you've sent us. Earlier this week, we offered advice to a listener who wasn't sure how to help with some new separation anxiety in their toddler. A big part of that discussion was the toddler's deployed dad, and some of you had similar experiences to share. We got an email from a listener named Veronica, who wrote this. My husband was not deployed, but he was on the road a lot pre-COVID, at least a week to two weeks or a month at times. And I remember distinctly one Monday morning after he returned from a week-long trip, I was dropping my daughter off at daycare when she was two and a half, and literally she melted down. It was so bad I couldn't drop her off. She had been at this daycare since she was 12 weeks old. I think what set her off is that I dropped her off on Friday morning, and my in-laws picked her up and kept her through Sunday morning. I'm convinced her two and a half year old brain was convinced that she wasn't coming home with us. I can't remember what we did that day, but she had the biggest smile when I put her back into my car and we went home. Honestly, we all need mental health days whether you're a toddler or a teenager. Thanks for that, Veronica. Yeah, it's true. I th- I think when they get a little bit older, we think about mental health days, but we don't really think about when they're little like this, like, oh, this meltdown might just be today. It might not be anything. It might just be today. Today is too much and, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine to give toddlers a break too. Sometimes you just need a little extra time together. We want to know what all you think, so be sure to reach out to us and keep the conversation going. And that's our show. Subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. If you want more parenting advice, you can find Karen Feeding the Column on Slate.com. 
This episode of Karen Feeding is produced by Maura Curry, with special thanks to Rosemary Pelson. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Zach Rosen. Thank you for listening.